Hello, I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp. Welcome to the Biohack Your Beauty podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of biohacking, spirituality, wealth, and self-development. Join me in exploring paths to health sovereignty, freedom, and ultimate well-being with the experts, teachers, and guides who are leading the revolution. I hope you're doing wonderful. Happy, happy spring. Today is officially the first day of spring, and I couldn't be more excited. Spring is a celebration of new beginnings, wishing for prosperity, welcoming the future, and shedding away the past. That is why it is a tradition in many cultures to use this time to deep clean our homes and our closets and set intentions for this coming time. There are also customs that include setting intentions for the coming astrological year, playing games to symbolize luck, and a sense of playfulness for the coming months. People also visit family graves and hold family reunions. How do you celebrate the spring equinox? I am actually celebrating by going for a long hike this week with a dear friend. I'm finding that the more I connect to nature, the more my spiritual connection with nature grows. And I find that my body really is more and more in tune with the cycles of nature. And so it really does feel more energizing and a little bit more exciting these days as spring has been approaching and now that it is here. I am also doing some luxurious self-care this week for my skin and my hair. And I'm booking a trip to Europe for the summer with my fiance, Drew. We are going to Portugal. So if you have recommendations on what to see there and where to visit, please send me a message and let me know. I would love to explore where you've explored. Okay, so very, very excited today to have Dr. Ashley Beckman on the podcast today. As a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese medicine, a cellular detox and epigenetics expert, and a functional medicine practitioner to boot, Dr. Ashley creates custom healing programs aimed at discovering and resolving the root cause of clients' symptoms and chronic conditions. Her unique background and her extraordinary blend of expertise is the superpower behind all of her clients' results, as well as her own, as she combines ancient wisdom with modern medicine to truly transform people's lives. We discuss a number of things, including how can mold be affecting your mood and energy levels, what to do if you have mold in your home but can't remediate or move, the proper way to clean mold, what dietary protocols to follow to recover from mold toxicity, and how to know if you have parasites. All right, my loves, on to the show. Hello, Dr. Ashley. How are you today? Good. How are you? I am doing wonderful. I'm so excited that you've joined me today. This is going to be so much fun. I would love to just begin by talking about what you do because you are a doctor, but you have this incredible special 
area of expertise that is really, really important, especially in this day and age, when we focus on really looking at the foundation of health? Sure. So I combine different modalities that I've learned over the course of my 20 years in, in this field. So I'm a doctor of Chinese medicine and acupuncture, but I also wrote my thesis on epigenetics. So that's kind of how your environment shapes your genetic expression. And, and then I also combine functional medicine practices, which would be kind of what people are searching for answers when they're looking for what's kind of the main issue of what's happening and why they might be chronically sick or even just something as simple as hormone imbalances and gut health. So I combine the Chinese medicine, genetics and functional medicine to create custom protocols for my clients. And we want to uncover what's actually making them sick. So a lot of people, you know, they think they have, or they know they have an autoimmune issue or something that's imbalanced or hormonal issues, but I want to know why. And luckily now there are a lot of different tests that can help me discover that. And that's what I'm really passionate about is finding the root causes of what is happening and why, and then creating your specific protocol to help resolve those. Mm, that's and amazing. Let's see, you said how I got here. Is that yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. So I I started probably as a lot of young girls and women do. I was very interested in nutrition, not as much from a healthy standpoint, but of losing weight and staying, you know, healthy and fit, I guess. So I grew up though in the fat-free time, right? Coming off of all the junk food from the eighties and McDonald's and things like that. But I was very, very interested in how food is medicine. And I studied, I started to study homeopathic medicine. So that's not used as commonly, but a lot of us know what Arnica is, you know, for bruising and things like that. But I studied that and my teacher said, you know, you love herbs and different types of food as medicine that you really, the best education for that is Chinese medicine. So I went and became an acupuncturist and, and got my license in that. And then I went back and for an additional few years to get my doctorate. And that's where I specialized in the, I guess it's nutrition plus genetics, which is basically, you know, how we really need to customize everything for each individual and that that can show us how we detox from things in our environment, the best foods for us, sometimes some different supplement needs, sometimes even the best exercise. So I combined all that together and I'm really, really passionate about it. So it's really fun for me to figure that out with my clients. That's awesome. First of all, it's so powerful and, and beautiful to be so passionate about something like this because it's so needed. <laughs> yes. And I wonder if you ever had like this shift in perspective because so many of us grew up with the allopathic paradigm and the Western medicine. And I know I had that experience where I felt like the, they have that saying the wool was pulled from oh, my eyes. Right. Yes, and yeah. And being like, Oh my God, like I have all this information and so many people don't know this. So did you have kind of a moment like that or a time where yeah. you were, Whoa, Oh my gosh, this is wild. 
I had a few. So I guess what I would say is growing up, I got sick a lot. I had strep throat uh, quite frequently. So I was on a lot of antibiotics and things like that. And then in kind of fast forward to my early or mid twenties, when I was in grad school, I went to my doctor because it hurt to like my ankles really hurt and my wrist really hurt. And so it was very painful, very quickly out of kind of nowhere to me. And, and I had a lot of, so I had a lot of joint pain all over and uh, migraines. And she said, well, food doesn't matter. You know, there's nothing you can do. You have some probable autoimmune issue related to your joints that might show up on a lab in 10 years, but there's really nothing to do. So to me, that was just crazy. And she was a great doctor, but she just kind of, you know, it wasn't her wheelhouse. Right. And I mentioned that when I ate Uh, let's see, gluten that I felt much worse. Right. And she said, well, we'll test you for celiac, but I don't think you have that, which I didn't. And basically she just said, there's nothing you you can do. And the food doesn't really make a difference anyway. So, and she also said, um, you know, eating gluten only gives you digestive issues. There's no, nothing neurological or arthritic involved at all, which is again, not true, (laughs) but It was very interesting to me because even in school, there are a lot of uh, Chinese formulas that use gluten and different things. And there's not an education really that maybe you should adjust those for some people that have sensitivities. Um, It's changed now, I'm, I'm sure. But again, and it's not like gluten is the issue. It was just feeding the underlying things that were there. So, you know, a lot of times the food issues are not the issue. It's just, they're kind of throwing gasoline on a fire that's already uh, burning. And so we're just making it worse. But my job is to find out why that's happening. Yes. And you did mention you wrote your thesis. Yes. Epigenetics. What is epigenetics? What is that? Why is that important to know about? So epigenetics literally means above the gen- the genes. So it's basically, we can't change our genes because those are set, but what we can change is our genetic expression. So that's basically, if you put in very good input, like great types of food, certain types of exercise, you can minimize your disease expression. So we have favorable and unfavorable expressions of genes. The easiest and most simple would be kind of a disease state or healthy state. So what I love about this, though, is it gives us kind of the blueprint of possibilities of what you come in with. And then we have a lot of control over what happens from that point on. So I love to talk about this with my clients to give them tips and tools to take their power back, you know, so that you don't have to get something just because one of your parents or grandparents had it. But a lot of the times these habits are passed down. So it's not always that we're destined to get, you know, heart disease and things like that. But often what we do is we mimic and keep the patterns that we've been brought up with. And so then we keep reinforcing that. A lot of us now have made some quite different changes, right, in how we eat and exercise and things like that. But again, our world is still filled with quite a few chemicals and biotoxins, and we're exposed to a lot of things now. And I feel like people are getting more sick at a younger age. And so we really need to take a look at this and kind of clean up your life where you can, right? We can't clean up everything. 
but I like to give people solutions that they can implement because a lot of times people just aren't aware. What are some of the chemicals and biotoxins that you would say we're exposed to? Well, so some of them, anywhere from like mold is a huge one that I see with a lot of my clients that has a really big impact. And there's Lyme and all of the co-infections, but then environmental toxins as well. Those are really huge. And then for some people more, more simply, it's just about the balance in their gut of overgrowths or dysbiosis of bacteria, viruses, fungus, things like that. And those can be more well-managed, but at the same time, you know, they make people not feel very well too. Yeah. And I know you work with root causes. So what is a root cause? Is that something that is created? Is that something we're born with? How does that work? Sure. So you could be born with some things that just predispose you to be more sensitive, but I would say more op- So genetics could be a root cause, but again, we do know that a lot of those, you have a lot of power over their expression. So I don't usually put them in that category, but what I would say a lot of root causes, it could be exposure to different toxins. So mold, um, sometimes heavy metals, different candida, bacteria, viruses, and trauma is one, right? How we can regulate our nervous system. Stress is really huge. So I wish it was always one, right? You know, we wish we could take one supplement to make everything better. I wish there was one root cause, but usually what happens is your system can kind of take so much for so long. And then you start, you know, you might notice little things like, oh, I have headaches or I have joint pain when it rains or things like that. And then things get a little bit worse and worse until you get some people that are just, you know, very, very sick or have chronic illness. And again, it's usually a multitude of root causes that have caused this to occur and why they're not able to just bounce back faster. Hmm. So let's talk a little bit about mold because this is something so many people deal with. I think the majority of people have no, no idea dealing with it. And then there's also people who are dealing with it and they really don't know how they can even address it. So What's the deal with mold? First of all, why, why is it such a big deal? Why is it such a problem? Well, first of all, it's everywhere, right? So a lot of times people are looking to outrun it, which is not possible. I am someone, I did leave a house because it was um, not in my control to repair it, right? I was leasing something. So it was, it would be a huge, huge undertaking anyway, because of the levels that were in it in multiple rooms and at high levels. but you know, it's unfortunately there's toxic mold in a lot of homes. It depends on how much and how it's fixed and things like that. And again, who in the home is more sensitive to it, right? So there's 25% of the population that is more sensitive, but that still doesn't mean that those are the people, the only people that get sick from it, right? right? So it's, also very, very impactful because the mold, the biggest thing I'd say that it does is it suppresses the immune system, which allows these other either biotoxins or viruses or other things in the body to get out of control. So this is where a lot of times people might have a reactivation of Epstein-Barr and they think that's their problem. So then again, I go and look for 
I, one of the mold tests is one of the first things I, if someone can do it, that is something I do suggest because I find it's a big issue with a lot of different health concerns, anywhere from thyroid issues, weight gain, hormone imbalances, Hashimoto's, especially almost every single client of mine that has Hashimoto's, I find significant mold exposure. And again, that's in the body. It doesn't always mean you know, that they know that they had it, right? Most people can recall maybe a leak in their home at some point or their childhood home getting flooded a lot. Like I grew up in Texas, our basement was just flooded. It was just normal. And, you know, back then, and even five years ago, we didn't really think much about that, right? So now that we have more affordable testing, you can check this in the body and in the home. So that's really important to differentiate, right? I look at it in the body, but then again, if you, if you are looking to see if you're in current exposure, then we want to get the home checked out too. So, mm -hmm. and there are a lot of great resources. I have a mold resource guide that I have, um, on Instagram and just, you know, to me, I put kind of my favorite things all together. It's, things are always changing in the mold world. So there's always <laughs> more, but, um, there are great resources if someone is concerned, but that is a top root cause to me because it actually makes a lot of the other ones much worse. And we want to look for it for sure. And are there ways to address it without eliminating it? Let's say, cause I know mold mm. remediation can be, yeah. oh my gosh, it's like you could Thousands just buy a new house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I had a friend who they're doing a, a mold remediation and I think they quoted them $200,000 or something like wild. Oh, then they need, I can give you someone that they okay. should call because <laughs> okay. that's, that's actually really, really wild. Great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, so maybe that's a little much, but <laughs> I still. would say very common is 20 to 30,000. Okay. And that's a lot, obviously a for lot. anybody, um, you know, so especially either trying to fix it or, and again, that's in, you know, a few rooms, it's not just in one or so, but again, there's unfortunately, because the home is its own ecosystem too, right? And it's kind of like its own entity. Yeah. When you do have something in one part of the home, it can spread all over depending. And where I was, it was in our HVAC system, which means it gets spread through the vents everywhere. So then it is especially all over. So, you know, there's yeah. just different things that happen. And again, the thing that's very confusing for people is you can have, you know, whatever, three to five people in the home and maybe one or two are the only ones that really feel like they don't feel well, or it might be something that seems very simple now. And then it kind of escalates as someone gets older. And again, they don't really contribute it to that, right? Because a lot of them, it's not just respiratory things or just chronic sinus infections or asthma and things like that. There's quite a few people that have very severe side effects and that's one of the reason I love working with the whole family because usually it affects everyone a little differently. Yeah. And so are there things that you work with uh, clients on when it comes to that mold issue mm -hmm. besides eliminating the mold? Are there things that you do to detox? Are there yeah. protocols that you have? Yes. Yeah. It's unfortunately mold is often a very long journey. So I would say that it's kind of on the lower end of six months. And I don't know that many people that clear it out that quickly. Um, a lot of people that tend to be the ones that get more sick 
I would say even genetically that they don't detox certain things as well, even if they don't have the kind of specific mold gene, they might have some other genetic variations that don't allow them to detox well, and especially in relation to glutathione, which can kind of help speed up the process. So yeah, there's very specific protocols I use. Again, you kind of work with everybody in the family if possible, even if, even if they're not showing lots of signs, if, I mean, unless we know with the testing, right? The testing is ideal to see in the body. It's a simple urine test. So it's not hard for anyone to do, including the kids. And then I create their customized protocol based on what's going on. And then there are other symptoms. So we might need to work in different areas of the body, but it's, it's a long, yeah, usually like six months to a year and a half. But again, it just depends on how sensitive the person is. And what we can do if they're out of the mold, right? Things like that. And a lot of people can't get out of the mold. So then we need to figure out the best things we can do for their home and, you know, what things to clean or dispose of, or the, like, I have my favorite air filters and all kinds of things, right? Things we can do. Right. Yeah. And, and that's beautiful that you bring that up because there are, filters that are good, like air mm-hmm. filters that have actual mold specific yes. pieces, right? Technology yeah. so that it kills the mold. And then there are specific ways to clean mold too, mm-hmm. right? Because I've heard bleach is not something that's good for mold. No, it's not. And it basically too, whatever mold does come back is the really, really strong one. <laughs> so you don't want, it's kind of like, using a bunch of um, antibacterial, you know, hand sanitizer, the bugs and things that are around now, they're extra strong because they are used to kind of morphing a little bit to be uh, more resilient. I'll say it's like the gym for bugs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Get stronger. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we forget too, that these are living uh, entities, organisms, things like that. And they're actually quite intelligent and they will change to, um, you know, try to avoid what we're doing to kill them. So bleach isn't good. There are certain things that are much better. And also, you know, a lot of the information out there is just not accurate. So it is very important to kind of work with someone who specializes in that Mm -hmm. same with in the body too. I've had more of my clients come to me that have been working with a naturopath or somebody that said that they work with mold, but unless they actually really specialize in it, I wouldn't, I would, you know, find someone that is a specialist because you can waste a lot of time. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Cause we have so much rain right now. It's so stormy here and I'm born. Yeah. I think you are as well. Are you in LA or where are yes. you located? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it's been rainy like crazy. (laughs) It has, and we're not used to it, right? We're not used to it. We're just big babies when it comes to this stuff. We're like, (laughs) oh my God, we can't go anywhere. But we live in the Bay area where there's so many Victorians and there's so much wood, right? So wood and water, it's like a recipe for mold. And so it's just interesting considering, well, if people can't leave their moldy situation, what are the options? So it's good to know that air purifiers uh, that are really specific for that. And are there dietary protocols that you work with as well? For sure. So a lot of times too, 
again, and this is on the extreme extreme case, there are a lot of people with maybe mast cell activation syndrome that often a big trigger is mold. Um, so they have a very specific diet, but at the same time, I do ask people if they're sensitive to histamine rich foods. Again, I don't go crazy with this, but if there are certain things that you know bother you that are higher in histamine, and I have a list or Again, fermented foods is something to look at if someone feels worse having yogurt or kefir or um, sauerkraut even or things like that than kombucha. A lot of those we don't suggest because there's, um, you know, it's, it's a similar thing basically to a lot of the fermented foods, they will feed either mold and yeast and bacteria. So it's confusing for the consumer because, right, people hear, oh, it's great for your gut. And I'm like, if your gut is much healthier than where you currently are right now. Yeah. So, and the same too, like we take things so far out of moderation. <laughs> we right? we're so we're just the wildest culture ever. We're like, yeah, <laughs> more is always better. And it's, yeah. I mean, I think a, maybe a medicinal amount of kombucha might be an ounce and we're like, let's have 16 and then put fruit juice in it. And yeah. And drink three a day. Yeah. So, <laughs> so wild, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. And again, pretty much sugar is the main one that will feed kind of all of these microorganisms in a negative way. And so I also uh, caution people that basically, you know, a lot of the cravings we have are really from all of the bacteria and microbes in us. And so a lot of times when you're craving sugar and things like that, it's not really you or your lack of willpower. It's what's in you that wants food and they want it now. So, you know, a, a big thing to do would be actually increase your protein intake, not vegetarian protein, like, you know, meat, real protein, yeah, real protein, <laughs> real protein, not peanut butter and things no. like that yeah. and hummus. And so we basically, you know, we, we, we need to kind of get some certain things into, into control in a better way, but yeah, the biggest thing I'd say is sugar is the the biggest one, and then things that are fermented is in there and real starchy, refined flours also good to avoid. Are you big on animal foods, organ meats, all of that? So I take organ capsules because I can't uh, bring myself <laughs> quite into it. Um, I am a like a reformed vegan 20 years ago, right? I saw, yeah, I saw a pita <laughs> pamphlet and I couldn't do it. And so I stopped eating meat for a few years and, or I was vegan. So I was, you know, hardcore vegan and um, with a lot of morals about it too. And I told everyone. Yeah. And so I also then got very sick after that. Like it was great for a year and a half. And then I kind of just started to tank. And so with this type of situation. And again, everything is very individual, but I would say for most of my clients, the fastest way to get better is to consume animal products, right? I'm not someone that can have uh, raw dairy and things like that. It just doesn't work for my system. But I think if for, for some people that can also be very beneficial if you can handle it. And but yeah, I think that you know, there are a lot of people that the grains and things are just not that helpful. And I can see that in the genetics with people and myself included. And but a lot of people know it's just, you know, we really do need to listen to our system. And just because someone says it's healthier, they think it's healthy for them. 
you know, like I have a, I eat more of a modified paleo, right? Like I know what grain I can have if I have it. And that's basically white rice. It's the only one. It's really not much of a grain at that point. Yeah. So, same. Yeah. And most people are that way that are sensitive, right? So, yeah. and, and then I'm not completely anti <laughs> like I'm not completely anti vegetable. So I still have some and all of that. And I just have the ones that feel good to my system. But I do see in a lot of the labs that I run with people, the oxalates. And I, again, you have to be cautious to suggest go low or no oxalate because you can actually make someone feel much worse by all of the oxalate dumping then that can happen if you just cut them out. So again, it's like asking people what they, you know, if they're throwing handfuls of spinach in a smoothie, then we need to change that up for sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm, because of my Chinese medicine background, we really promote and know that most people do well with warm cooked foods. So also that paired with eating in the season and the climate. So again, I will have some salads and things, but that's more in the winter, uh, sorry, <laughs> the summer and spring. Yeah. Um, LA is a little different because it's right. you know, warm a lot of the time. And so there's a little bit more leeway, but at the same time, I think it's really important to eat with the season, eat for your specific conditions and needs. And I'm more of a, you know, heavier on protein and less on grains and pretty much no sugars. Yeah. But that yeah. works for me. And right. so again, I always adjust with my client because some people can have maple syrup or honey. And, you know, a lot of us, if you have lime or mold, you can't for a while, right? Until your system gets a little more balanced and you have more leeway. And it's so funny because so many of us who are in this health oriented world were are recovered vegans. Yes. <laughs> I was one and I was I was a raw vegan and actually oh. I was really, really sick. I was a yeah, I was a vegetarian for 16 years and then I was a raw oh. vegan for like six years or something. Mm. And I was so I mean, I was so sick, but Your poor thyroid and I know adrenals and oh, I, I was just yeah. a big mess. A big Your mess. Hormones. <laughs> yeah, my hormones. And I was so, I mean, just from an emotional standpoint, yeah. I was just it was horrible. And I actually, my journey to get better started with a Chinese medicine mm -hmm. doctor. And yeah. I, I, she said, so what do you eat? And I said, <laughs> oh, you know, I, I basically just live on frozen smoothies. And she literally like spit out her water. She was yeah. like, oh my like God. Like the worst food in Chinese <laughs> yeah, medicine. Yeah. yeah. She just was appalled and she was right. Right. I had yeah. no warm foods in my diet. I had to take a hot shower after every meal because I was so cold. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, there's this, I feel like there's this cultural thing around that too, because we have so much information and, and this was a, a while ago, I think yeah. I would say over 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. But we, we don't really have these elders continuing this tradition of the, these home cooked meals and what mm -hmm. is nourishing and, and what is healthy. And so a lot of the times we're just constantly on these fat diets of what is yeah. the next thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that really changed my life was reading Weston Price's book. Mm. Yeah. Because it was like, this is, this is the, this is the, the goods, right? This right. is where the proof in the pudding is. And we can yeah. see that 
all of our ancestors were eating rich animal foods and they were nourished and they were healthy, right? Like obviously their, their lifespan was maybe more or less around what it is now for us, maybe a little shorter, but their health span was much longer than ours is. I mean, we have children who are born sick and I mean, you know, that's a whole other conversation perhaps, but it's, it's crazy to look at how the health of our children and our culture is when they shouldn't be sick. They shouldn't be having these cancerous Mm -mm. issues and these neurological disorders. And it's all related to diet. I think there's other things, right? Like we talked about the environmental toxins and yeah, just all of the toxins that are in the things that happen at the hospital when they're coming, you know, like Mm -hmm. when they're being birthed there and stuff, but yeah, it's just a wild thing to think about that we are lacking in that knowledge. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, and that's one thing is, you know, we're always looking right for what are all the things. And I come up with these protocols for clients and all of that, but I keep going back to, because we, I mean, even everybody does it on our own too. It's not like I'm immune to this, but we gloss over these foundational things. And at the top of that is just cook your own food, right? Like eat whole food that's home cooked. And so that's why I would much prefer someone is doing that than, you know, going out and getting something that's prepared somewhere else with a lot of different variables. But, you know, people want, again, like what's the easiest thing to do and all that. But even us, you know, like I buy, I still have packaged foods that we consume too for ease and to have different types of options and things. But if people could really just even focus on that first, besides all the different ways to eat, right, that already would clean up most people's diet considerably. And then the same with what kind of drinking good quality water, moving your body. And then a big one for me is always go to bed between nine and 10 if you can. I know most people don't like that, but you know, there's all these things that we really gloss over because we want, they're like, yeah, but I could take, you know, this thing, these five supplements or whatever. I'm like, but we need to come back to, are you doing a couple of these big things? Like what's your water, like your food, how's your sleep? Are you moving? And what's your stress level? Yeah. And those are all really big things and simple things, but Right. We tend to make things really complicated and also yeah. we want things to be easy and quick and cheap. We all want those, yeah. those little things to be in order. But what that does is it ends up not allowing us to prioritize our health, right? It makes those right. other things the priority. Mm-hmm. And you said, go to sleep between nine. And what is that about? So, okay. So a few things. So in Chinese medicine too, basically starting at 11 you is when you're going to start to detox from the day. So the gallbladder becomes more active and the gallbladder is kind of the overflow for the liver. Again, this is Chinese medicine theory. So it's not exactly the same as Western medicine and we need you to be asleep. So that will occur. Also the brain starts to detox at that time, but it's called glymphatic drainage. So it's like actually even like all the things that are happening in the day, your brain kind of like filters a lot of those things out. And then thirdly, if you're up at 11, your body will secrete cortisol, which is the stress hormone, which 
impacts weight gain and stress. And pretty much your body is wondering why you're up at 11, because you should be fast asleep by now. So there are a multitude of reasons of why going to bed before 11 is critical, but I've found that most of us actually need to be between nine and 10. And I would say even more so if you're female and if you've had some sort of chronic illness or you're trying to get recovered or you're postpartum, you have little kids, basically where you're deficient in sleep and your hormones are off and things like that. So it's no one likes that advice. Like, I don't know anybody. (laughs) So um, but it's really important. And I, again, that's one of those things it's free. And probably if someone bumped that to the top of their list, they would get better so much faster. And a lot of people, you know, have sleep issues, of course, but they also, if, you know, alcohol disrupts sleep a lot. So I'm not a big proponent of doing that regularly. And, um, it's also, again, if someone's working on their hormones and fatigue and, postpartum and, or just having little kids, you know, when you're trying to rebuild and replenish your body, that's not the way to go. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, with all of the amazing guests we've had here, sleep is one of the number one things with Mm -hmm. all the biohacks people want to know about sleep is so big. And I know on this podcast too, we talk a lot about blue light Mm -hmm. and how that can really impact falling asleep as well. Are yeah, you yeah. into that at all? The whole blue light thing? Yeah, I have uh, my blue blocking like yeah. right, glasses from I think Raw Optics, and I also have True Dark right for Dave's, Dave Asprey's brand too. So I have both. Yeah. Um, I think it is really critical. Also, just in general, you know, and again, I'm someone who is on my computer a lot because I have a practice that's virtual. So but I have a 10 year old daughter and I'm watching habits and trying to keep her kind of off it as much as possible, as long as I can prolong it. Right. And I have noticed in my practice, there are so many more kids with neurological issues. And in addition to the food, I think the big impact is screen time and also how we consume data because they're so used to, you know, not even 30 second clips of things. It's like six seconds, you know, everything is so short and it just, they filter through and just like go through things so fast that I don't think it's a good, it's not good for our brains, right. To just have this constant influx of data that's changing to on a screen in front of your face. So I think it's very important to Yeah, be mindful of that. And what kind of, if you're using your phone at night, what's it for? If it's for meditation or things like that, or listening to something that's more relaxing, then I think that's, you know, in a better zone of okay. But a lot of us aren't doing that, right? We're still scrolling and doing things or trying to finish up things from the day. And we think of that as relaxing, but for your brain, it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a wild world out there for kids. (laughs) It is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to ask about, and maybe this is kind of switching gears and going back a little bit is parasites. So I know we talked about mold and we have talked a little bit about sleep, but I know parasites is another really, really big one. And again, just like mold, this is something so many people have or are dealing with. And a lot of people don't even know that they're dealing with it. So right. can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. 
I love talking about this too. So <laughs> it's, I love, this is the thing. So I, I became obsessed with kind of different toxins and um, I, it started with toxins and skincare. Once I found out all the ingredients in skincare, I went off and I even had my own skincare company for 10 years where we handmade everything. Cause I was really against all these things that we just didn't even know we were putting on our body every day. Right. So parasites came a little later, but I was always very interested too, in just these things that people don't really know that they have and they're living in their body. Right. And often sometimes things like viruses, they come out when they're stressed or with the full moon, different times of the year, you know, things can be a little bit worse. So people assume that because we're in America, we don't have any parasites unless maybe you accidentally had some bad sushi or food poisoning, but that's usually more on the bacteria side. But, you know, we all have parasites and basically people also assume that they are very easy to find in a test, right? So most tests, it's just a stool test. So any of the other areas or organs where parasites reside, like gallbladder, liver, uh, lungs, like, like they can be all over, those will never show up on a parasite test. So I personally never recommend them. I use a parasite quiz so we can tell by symptoms. Uh, there is one company that's better, but I tell people not to waste their money. Let's just work on treatment. And again, they are very, very common. And a lot of symptoms that we don't think correlate to parasites can be indicators, kind of like um, clenching your teeth at night. Um, well, if you're itchy, right? Like in certain areas, a lot of kids get pinworms. So there's maybe some parents that have been exposed to this a little bit more, um, you know, or people that like let their pets lick their face, things like that. You know, these are yeah. things that um, <laughs> I would advise against. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, once you see these things and know about them more, it's you know, you have some new habits that you would implement. I guess <laughs> yeah. I'd say. yeah. Leave the dog out of your face. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, the, you know, it's common for, again, especially if people eat sushi, which a lot of people do, I think you need to know that there's always a risk there of getting parasites or same. There's a lot with uh, fish, but then people think, oh, I'm vegan or vegetarian. It's not an issue, but most people get sick or have parasites from fruits and vegetables that aren't washed as properly as they could. Mm. Right. So everyone is susceptible to them. And of course, many will just live in your system and you wouldn't know, but then when be either there's too many or they become problematic is when we get a lot of the symptoms. So for some people, that's the bloating and distension um, or, you know, gut disturbances, diarrhea, things like that. But then you have a whole lot of other symptoms too, that can be contributed as well. But there's, I, we, I work with clients, I usually do two to three months of a targeted protocol. And then we would revisit that two to three times a year, mm. but just for less time. Yeah. And do you, because one of the things I've seen is a lot of when people pass parasites, mm -hmm. it's right. It's a wild thing because we don't really realize that they're there. And right. so we see it with our own eyes and we're like, oh my gosh, this was actually yeah. inside my body. Well, and most, I think it's 60, over 60% are microscopic. So a lot of the times people wouldn't notice when you do have something significant, it's pretty disgusting and crazy, but 
I, again, I think people just forget that we are a house for organisms, right? Of all kinds that includes parasites, fungus, bacteria, viruses, and we're a host to them. And we have all of these tiny ecosystems, even just within our own body and they're filled with critters. Yeah. So that's such a good point that you make too, because I remember, oh, what was it? It was this shirt I saw somebody wearing at the airport. This was like during 2020, 2021 times, Uh right? So (laughs) there was a lot going on in the world. Uh, and, but it, I had, I don't know if you know that label, it's Supreme. It's like this, it's a designer label, Oh yeah. Uh-huh. but, but instead it said something like sanitize or something <laughs> like that. And right. I was just like, this is the world we live in yeah. where we look at organisms, any kind of bacteria as the enemy. And right. that's not the answer, right? As you said, when you use that antibacterial stuff, you're just perpetuating the issue, right? Because it's really about creating a health microbiome and detoxing in a way that is in alignment with our health, with our bodies, not trying to eliminate them with as much poison and toxins as possible. Right. So it's a mind shift for a lot of people. It is. Yeah. And there's the huge, you know, debate within medicine and even functional medicine. That's like, um, you know, the pathogen versus terrain, right? And so it's like, personally, and I think other people think this is too, it's not just me, I think it's a combination, right? Because there are very strong pathogens that can affect a lot of people. We see this when someone brings home a pathogen in the home, and you know, two people get sick, but then maybe one doesn't, right? So, but then there's the terrain, which is basically, can you fortify your system to ward off all the things that we come in contact with. And I think if people knew all the things that your body does to keep us from getting sick from all the viruses and bacteria that we're in contact with every single day, you know, we would maybe have a stronger respect for what it does. But then again, you know, you could have something stressful and then your immune system is down and then either something that's in your body already or something that you become exposed to then can make you sick. So, so yeah. it's this balance that we kind of have to maintain. And again, we have control over certain things, but a lot of the things in our environment, we, we don't. And so we need to, again, in Chinese medicine, we have a formula or there's just different things. So basically they talk about putting up a screen, like they call it jade windscreen, but it's basically to try to protect you from all the things that we get in contact with. But the biggest thing is fortifying your own body and your immune system and things like that. But you yes. know, we actually fight off a ton of things every day. And so you really can't single out just very specific bacteria and organisms. But again, some are very strong and do a lot of damage. So you can't also just ignore their existence. Right. But yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's a balance. And you know, some we all know the person who's sick all the time, or we know someone who never gets sick. And yeah. I never get sick. I'm so really? blessed. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm like the least I'm, I'm so not like, not you know, I wash my hands, but I don't yeah. use antibacterial soap. Cause I don't like the way that it impacts the environment. I, right. I'm just so relaxed about stuff and people think I'm crazy or maybe not as clean as other people, but I never get sick ever. 
I'm just well, saying. and there's this whole thing, it's called neuropsychoimmunology, right? Which you've probably heard of, but basically somebody can watch a stressful, you know, movie or the news and your immune system actually lowers and makes you more susceptible to things. Yeah. So people watching the news constantly, which I don't do, um, yeah. has a big impact on their immune system or people don't think about this too, but you know, the, the movies we watch, if it's scary, frightening things, that actually has a big impact on our system and our immune system. Yeah. So it's very important what we take in, you know, if it's food, water, information, and entertainment too. And it's really critical, especially now, like the whole thing is, again, I like the word fortify, even though it's a little bit strong, but our whole point is to be able to kind of like fight these things off and live in our world that is filled with a lot of toxins and things. And so we need to be strong and be able to, you know, not be susceptible to them as much as you can. I love that you brought that up. I feel like that is so powerful because it isn't just what we think of as food, right? The mm -hmm. it's also what we expose our attention to, what you're giving your attention to. And I mean, I, I look at what's on Netflix. I really like oh, yeah. really mild stuff. Like I really love Korean dramas that are romantic and really lighthearted <laughs> yeah. and colorful. But I can't watch, I mean, they have like serial killer romances and stuff. And it's just so horrible. I just yeah. don't know how that, and it's, it's not necessarily out of judgment. It's more that it makes me sad because that it's there, there's something really powerful about that and, and not in a positive way. I think it really does impact your psyche, mm -hmm. what you create. I mean, if we are manifesting our yeah. reality. What yep. are you manifesting? What are you creating with music too? There's so mm -hmm. much like with drugs references and it's just a wild thing that that is what's popular. So, yeah. And that's something it, it's tricky to explain. Like I said, to, I have a 10 year old. And so trying to explain like why I don't like this, maybe don't want her to listen to this music or this movie, or, I mean, again, I get made fun of because I watch Hallmark. <laughs> So, I love Hallmark. Yeah. I'm so, that Hallmark. <laughs> so am I. And so it's like, I also have this very impressionable young child, right. That I don't, she doesn't need to see people. I don't, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's the same. It's like, I don't like to watch those things because also the reaction in my body, you know, is not good. Cause I can just, you know, I don't want to see people being killed. And I think also when someone's a parent, you don't really want to see people or kids stuff happen no. to them. Like, I just want the world is crazy enough. I just want, if something's entertainment, I want it to be like, oh, things work out and everything's good. And yeah. what a beautiful world we have, right? Not, yes, the serial killer next door that murdered his family. It's like, exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Amen to that. I'm yeah. all about that. <laughs> so what are some simple ways that people can begin to kind of create a detoxification process in the body? Like what would be some ways for people to get started? Sure. So, okay. Again, number one, which nobody likes is go to bed earlier. So if you're going to bed at 11, try to go to bed at 1030, right? Ease your way in a little bit. Um, yeah, don't take on too many changes at once because then you probably won't do any of them. And then again, no one likes this either, but really look at what you're eating. So if you're having packaged food, just flip it over and read it. And if you are 
consuming sugar, right? Actually like regular sugars and things like that. Then I tell people to, well, A, see if you can switch over, you know, to um, like maple syrup or honey, if, if you can have it. But then if you something is 10 grams or more of sugar on a package, like don't eat it, it's too much. So a lot of people aren't aware of the things in their food, even when they're, you know, somewhat healthy or they think it's healthy because it's at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or something and it's not. So those are the two top things I'd say and find ways to see, you know, see how your nervous system reacts to things. Are you always really stressed and anxious or depressed or, you know, sometimes the way around that is to move your body, whatever way works for you. Um, and yeah, a lot of us need to move, figure out how, what's causing stress in your life. If there's ways to just either manage it or reduce it. Right. And then again, yeah. Eat whole foods too. Yeah. That was probably a lot, but no, those are good. I think those are great. Again, we still skip over them, but yeah, yeah, I try to give people the, a number to look at for the sugar, even though ideally you wouldn't have much, but you know, there is a difference between the people who are kind of like chronically dealing or dealing with something specific in their body and what they can tolerate and people that generally feel good, but want to feel better. Yeah. I love that. Those are really good tips and they're, they're simple and something you can work up to as well. Yeah. But sleep is number one and cooking sleep your food. Is number one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Eating at home. Yes. Amazing. So on the biohack your beauty podcast, we ask every guest three questions. So the first question is what is your definition of beauty? Ah, you know, I would say I look to nature for this because I am someone who I love the flowers and roses. And I think it's important for us to look around and make sure that even if you're not around, you know, natural setting as much, like find that in your everyday world. If it's just flowers you see that you pass by or things like that, and just take a minute to appreciate nature's beauty. Mm, I love that. I resonate with that a lot. What is your favorite inner or outer beauty tip for our listeners? I would say, okay, well, probably this with, I have minerals and organs, right? So I take capsules for the organs, but the, it's so it's like nature's multivitamin, right? Lots of peptides and B and D and all kinds of things. And then big fan of also minerals, like sea minerals and things like that. And where can people find you? Sure. The, so my website is drashley.com, but most people are probably on Instagram and that's where I interact with most people. And that's DR and then Ashley Beckman. So it's Dr. Ashley Beckman as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was amazing and so informative. Yes, it was lots of fun. All my favorite subjects between mold <laughs> and parasites and- Awesome. Beauty. Yeah. 